What's up, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix here from The Code, and I want to encourage you to check out our friends at Flux Footwear, the only shoe with an adaptive sole that moves and flexes with you. Since I got my first pair, they've been one of my favorite shoes to wear no matter what activity I'm doing throughout the day. If you're looking for a shoe that can keep up whether you're going to the gym, to the office, traveling, or just catching a coffee date, you're looking for Flux. Visit the link in the show notes or check out my Instagram to get 10% off and pick up your pair today. Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. All right, what's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back for another episode on The Code. Uh, You've heard me say this a lot, but I'm sitting inside of Lion's Den, Strength, Mobility, Performance, where our Denver Tech Center physio room location is doing this episode today. So if you hear any gym noise in the background, that's what's going on around here. But we've got an awesome interview lined up for you guys today. Uh, We have a client of ours and um, an ultra marathoner, Don Reichelt, joining us. You could say he runs a little bit. but uh, Tom, thanks for joining me, buddy. I appreciate you coming over here. Yeah, this is awesome, Andrew. Glad to glad to be here, and uh, I appreciate what you guys do here at Physio Room, keeping yeah. me moving. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and it's funny, sort of how we got connected. We have some like mutual friends, mm-hmm. mutual connections. I think this is one of the cool things about social media, right? How this sort of all works. But um, you know, Don, somewhat recently, several months ago, became a client of ours at Physio Room. He's actually someone that we do. I would say at least half of the work with virtually because he doesn't live very close to our physical locations. When he's in town, he does come in the clinic, but then we work with him virtually when he's not. And um, and all under the goal of like, we want to keep this running journey going. And he's he's a very competitive ultra marathoner. So um, Don, let's do all the listeners a favor. And um, if you could do a more thorough introduction of yourself, that would be awesome. Share a little bit of your background and, sure. and then we'll get into it. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start with coming to physio room most recently i was uh training to run the us 24-hour national championship race and was dealing with a couple of of physical issues so i uh, reached out i'd known chris for for quite a while through the industry and reached out and started getting some treatments and then so most recently thanks to physio room not that this is a commercial but most recently thanks to physio room won the us 24-hour national yeah, championship did. yeah um, so that's the most recent thing. And then backing up, I've, I think I have just about 20 hundred plus mile finishes wow. in my career now. 20 plus 100 mile races. Yeah. So, um, a lot of, a lot of hundred mile plus racing and including the longest race was just this past year in 2023, Coca 50. Yeah. It's 250 miles across Arizona. I did yeah. a 48 hour race that I ran 190 miles in this past year. Uh, have been on the podium at races like Badwater, yeah. uh, which is also known as the world's toughest foot race, running 135 miles through Death Valley in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different stuff. And I, I think the coolest thing that I've found in my career is uh, I I don't like to do one specific thing. And a lot of athletes, they find their one thing and they stick with it, right? Like I have, so I have a, uh, my 100 mile best on trail is 13 hours and 16 minutes, which is sub eight minute mile pace. 
Um, so that's, I think as of today, as sitting here, it's like the 74th or 75th fastest hundred mile time in world history. Yeah. Um, right. And so I take that and then I back that up with doing big mountain hundreds and 250 miles across the mountains of Arizona and different yeah. stuff. So, um, my career has just basically been, I never set out to be good at this thing. I just wanted to go do cool things that I like doing and yeah. do something I know is going to challenge me versus sticking at that thing that I know I can do really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because I too am somebody who just loves variety of training. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about physio room. Well, I've been dealing with my own physical issues, <laughs> primarily the Achilles. And I, you know, I would identify as a runner also, but the longest run I've done is 15 miles and change. Uh, and it was actually supposed to be a 13 mile run and we made a wrong turn on a trail <laughs> and we realized that a mile in and had to backtrack a mile. So anyways, um, I was training for a half marathon at the time. So I was like, well, we're going to do this 13 mile training run. And, um, but I've been dealing with an Achilles issue. So I've totally shifted my goals to be more lifting focused while I focus on trying to rehab this. And it's been a very long time coming with like surgery and stuff on this Achilles. But what did you do like growing up? How did you get into running ultra marathons? Yeah, I, I ran a little bit in high school. Never a good athlete yeah. as far as running was concerned. Yeah. Never broke 20 minutes in a 5K in high school. I uh, had a couple of good track meets, but other than that, wasn't a good runner. Didn't run in college. Uh, actually walked onto the crew team at University of Iowa. Just had something to do. And I just, my whole athletic career has been I will work harder than the next guy. Yeah, like, sure. I'm not physically gifted. I'm just willing to be in the gym until midnight and yeah. wake up and do it again tomorrow. So uh, four-year member of the University of Iowa crew team. Cool. And then actually once I graduated that, I put on a ton of weight. Mm. Um, I, had, I didn't have that team atmosphere anymore. Right. That, that push of somebody telling me, you know, get up at four, go work out, do this. And yeah. um, I lost that drive and I put mm -hmm. on a ton of weight. I put on like 40 pounds in three months and knew, knew I needed to make a change. So I actually bought a bike. Yeah. And a bike led me to a buddy that was doing triathlon. He said, hey man, like do a triathlon with me. Yeah. And I said, okay. Yeah, I'll do it. But I saw this one thing on TV one time called an Ironman. So we should probably just do that. <laughs> Let's just go all in. Here. And so I didn't know how to swim. Um, and I signed up for an Ironman. Yeah. Um, so just my whole career from that point on has been like, throw me into the deep end. Let me figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I did three Ironman races. I was training for a fourth and uh, just decided I hated swimming. I hated swimming all the time during the, the, the training, but I just never loved it. And I woke up one day and I'm like, what am I doing? I had just moved to Boulder. I was training previously in Chicago and Iowa and had just moved to Boulder, Colorado. And here I am road running and riding a bike on the streets. Like, what am I doing? The mountains are right there. So yeah. uh, I, I had a buddy that was doing a hundred mile race in Leadville. Yeah. And I said, Hey man, let me pace you. Didn't know what that meant. Had never run over a marathon, but yeah. I signed up to run 28 miles to the mountains with him. And so I did that and I was like, okay, this is, this is incredible. This yeah. is the coolest thing ever. So I signed up for my first hundred and jumped in and was really bad and almost didn't finish and almost yeah. was last place almost. And but I fell in love with that process of I'm gonna work hard and get the results I want. And I knew like this is a sport, ultra running is a sport that it rewards people that'll go out and work not necessarily harder, but smarter than everybody sure. else. Because yeah. there's an element, right? I mean, if you're trying to run 200 miles a week, you're going to get hurt and not going to compete. But if you're just training smarter, 
and you put in the miles and you put in the mobility and you put in the strength training and you put in the nutrition work, um, things like that, eventually it's going to start paying off and you're going to learn those lessons and become more successful. So I went from my first race back in 2015, my first hundred, yeah. almost last slash not even finishing to over the next two years cutting oh gosh 14 hours off my 100 mile yeah. time wow and i went from a 29 hour finisher to a 15 and then then most recently then to a 13 yeah. hour cutting more time off your 100 mile finish than it even takes you to run one now yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty impressive. more than cutting yeah. half mm -hmm. yeah uh, and then and then yeah so then now it's just whatever i can do to, to hang on to that career and i, I never got yeah. into this to, to chase results yeah and i still i'm i'm not chasing results i would I would rather sign a piece of paper today that said I can run when I'm 80 yeah. versus win another race. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And that's that's why I do things like strength training and stuff. It's like, you, like obviously it does help me running, but I know I'm going to be moving and physically capable of doing cool shit when I'm 80 versus like selling all out in, you know, like some of these ultra runners, they're they're doing these 150 miles a week and no strength training and yeah. they know that they have a they're going to have a bright candle, it's going to burn bright, but it's going to burn out when they're 30. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking that deal. Yeah. Well, and I want to unpack some of the stuff that you said, but before I ask you some of those follow-up questions, I don't even know this. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you moved out here, you decided to pay somebody for my yeah. bill. And um, how old were you then? How old are you now? Like, so, like, so when did you like get into my like, first hundred mile marathon? My yeah. first hundred mile race is when I was 29 okay. I'm 38 right now. 38. All right. Yeah. So my 10th this is my 10th year in october yeah. my 10th year of ultra running yeah and it sounds like over those 10 years or nine plus you have learned some things about working smarter not just harder than the other people even though you've been someone who like you know from growing up you're i'm gonna outwork people because i'm maybe not as naturally gifted as some yeah. of these other teammates on my high school teams or whatever but i'm just gonna continue to put in the work and i'm gonna outwork people and just see that pay yeah. off but where do you think you got some of that mentality like back in high school? Because I think we have that in common. Yeah. I was like, you know, like I said, I'm not getting into ultra marathons at the moment, but I was always the person where we were at football practice in high school or in college. And when we were going to run gassers at the end of practice, it didn't matter who was the fastest person on our team. I was going to keep running them yeah. until coach said we were done. And I was going to not, you know, slack off on one rep yeah. thinking like, oh, I don't know how many we have left. I was just going to run every single one as hard as I could. And I'm just going to beat my teammates yeah. because I'm really competitive. And like, you know, people would be griping about like, oh man, we have to run more. And I'm like, let's go. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Very similar. I've yeah. always been the, I might not beat you on the first 10 laps mm -hmm. of all out 400s, yeah. but that 11th one is mine or that 14th one, like whatever it is, yeah. I, will, I will stay there until we find out what that lap is that I can beat you on. Yeah. And I'm not letting you go home until I beat you. Yeah. And that's just, that's just always been that mentality. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'll figure it out. If it's, you know, me versus you right now, you'll probably beat me in a 200 yard sprint, but yeah. maybe I'll get you at 600. Yeah, sure. Like yeah. who knows where it is. Yeah. I want to find that. Yeah. And that's, that's both externally. I want to beat you, but I also want to find that for me too. Yeah. It's like, where's that? Where, where do I'm like, Man, I can't go anymore. I can't, yeah. I, I, this is my limit. And I, I never want to look back and say, 
when I'm 80. Yep. I don't want to look back and say like, damn, I wish I would have like pushed it a little harder on one of those reps or just yeah. Because the day will come when I can't run anymore. Mm-hmm. Dude, it could be today. I could walk out and get hit by a car and never run again. Yeah. And I don't want to look back and regret not giving my all on one rep. Mm-hmm. And that's that 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 motivates me every day. Yeah, yeah I like that because you know that is true. The future is not promised for any yeah. any one of us. We don't know what's going to happen. And you don't want to look back and have that. Like, and I'm even picturing right now, as I'm staring at my like college uh, running singlet right there on the wall, there is one rep in particular that I remember from college track that I probably could have pushed harder and I didn't. And then I didn't have the results I wanted in the meet that weekend. And I'm always like, well, I wonder if. Yeah. On that second to last rep, if I would have just gave just a little bit more yeah. and pushed through some of the significant physical discomfort I was having, right? right. Respiratory, muscles, legs burning and whatnot. Um, like what could have happened? Well, we'll never know. So here we are. And that's like a lesson you learn from. So then how have you gone from, from that, right? Like I'm just going to outwork you. I want to find what that internal limit is. And I like that you said, like, you know, you started to talk about like, internal motivation and not just external motivation yeah. of beating other people. And then you mentioned like, I'd rather be able to run one of 80 than, than win another race. Because what we find with people is external motivation is great, right? It, it gets people really pumped up. I, I had a teammate in college, like if there was a t-shirt on the line at a college track meet, like he didn't care about the medals, right? He had tons of medals. But if it was a meet where like yeah. the winner got a shirt, and you better bet he was going to win the right. 100 that day because he had that external motivation of that t-shirt. Some people run races for medals or, yeah. or whatever. But that's not what keeps you coming back day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year of training. It needs to be something that's internal. It yeah. needs to be some deeper motivation that makes you willing to wake up at five in the morning and go out for a run. There's pitch yeah. black outside. You put your headlamp on and you just got to go. So like, how did you, how did you start to transition or when did you notice maybe a transition from I'm going to outwork people to no, this is more of like an internal thing. I want to work smarter, not harder. I want to believe in and enjoy the process and not just, I want to outwork people so that I can beat them. I think the the word process is the right, Mm -hmm. is is the appropriate word. And somewhere along the way, I fell in love with the process of tinkering and kind of n of one research of gosh if i if i change this what happens the next few weeks um like i so i down to i used metrics and data to completely change my diet because mm-hmm. so i went plant-based for a year and a half because the data both sleep data recovery data heart rate data and morning workouts and blood data said it was the right decision for me and after about a year and a half, this is just back in August, it was starting to say, okay, maybe some lean protein, um, animal-based protein wouldn't be the worst thing. And so I added some chicken back into my mm. diet. Um, and so I am willing to take be the geek. Yeah, yeah take these right. little these little things and just like, what can I optimize today? And so there's 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 a process side of it, and then there's like the curiosity side of it. Yeah. Like if I change this, what's gonna happen? Yeah. It's fun, right? Like yeah. we're I mean, I'm not a Michael Jordan. I'm not out here making $40 million a year doing what I'm doing. It's like, if I make a change, what's the worst that happened? Like, if I don't feel good, okay, then I can go back. But like, what if it makes me better? Let's find that out. And so I just, I fell in love with the process of training, getting up, doing hard things, 
ex like exploring my personal limits in a workout and then kind of end of one research on myself of looking at HRV data, seeing like seeing even down to like look let's look at the EKG data from like sauna to cold plunge and back. Yeah. And like what happens? Like what is what is the physiological change between those? And then let's compare that to workouts the next morning to see like did it help it? Did it did it not? Did yeah. I sleep well? And looking at all that data, it's I just I'm fascinated by it. And even if I'm slow 20 years from now or when i'm slow 20 years from now i think that data will still be interesting yeah for sure well and let's let's maybe explore that just a little bit i have more questions i'll i'll go back and ask you but we've had an episode or two on the show where we talked about that where we talked about the importance of sleep and how to dial in and structure your sleep quality yeah. um, we've talked about the benefits of cold exposure cold plunging heat exposure saunas um, we've talked to people who have a practice of doing that like yeah. pretty much daily um as a as a very general like overall um, finding like what are the things that you found in your like recovery processes and the data that you track like what are the things that you're finding yeah i mean it's and it's nothing earth shattering yeah right don't drink yeah uh don't eat a big meal after 6 30 7 p.m for me well and while you're answering that let's maybe talk about like when you do those things what are the things that you see in the yeah. data that yeah it so, like the data is what has kind of steered you to change yeah. these lifestyle things so like yeah, so like, you know, we might be, I'm wearing a whoop, you're wearing different things. So like, what are the things I, I worked for Aura for two years. Too. Okay. So I, I the data, um, it was important to me and it is important to me. So like, let's take alcohol. For me, um, what I would see is that my, my HRV would be pretty plummeted mm -hmm. until late morning and then it wouldn't start raising until maybe more like an hour to two hours before I would wake up. Um, and that's just not ideal, right? You want to see that HRV mid, like start going up mid. And, and I'm an athlete that works out later at night, oftentimes too. Which, so it's normal for me to have a pretty low HRV immediately yeah. at night and then raising in the morning. But with an, even one drink of alcohol, it really dramatically delayed that. Um, Before you continue, yeah. can you, with your experience in the field, um, I think most of the people that are listening to this probably have a good idea, but can you explain to us what exactly HRV <laughs> is, or at least as a sort of general overview? Yeah, so heart rate variability, HRV, it's a, a big trigger word. So it's basically the, um, and I didn't work on the science side. Of that's the, okay. No, that's so, right. I'm putting so, it on the spot here. Yeah, so it's basically the uh, variability between heart rate, heart rates. Yes, heart so yeah. um, ideally, to, to show rest and recovered state, you want a bigger variability between the beats. Um, so, and everybody's different. This is where it's like, I could look at my HRV and I could look at your HRV yeah. and, and we could have the same number and it could be something totally different. Mm, yep. um, so that's another element of HRV is like, don't, don't look at your buddy's HRV and say, oh man, you're at 90, I'm only at 50. That's, oh, you're so much more recovered, man. It literally does not matter. Um, person to person, it's so different. So, yeah, it's pretty um, you, all you want to see is understand what your baseline is, mm -hmm. and then what can you do to raise it, and what you can do to lower it. And you know, my I can tell you, I generally, if I look at Aura Ring, for example, they average it throughout the whole night. Well, I just told you that my HRV generally starts pretty dang low because I work out later in the day a second time. Um, and so, my if I just look at the average, it'd be like forty. Yeah, and that's really low. But if I look at, so I actually only look between. I usually get up at five, so midnight between between midnight and five. Um, I want to see when it's 
maximum. And I when when did I hit a hundred for the first time overnight? And that's usually for me around two to three a.m. on on most nights. If I drink alcohol, it yeah. might not happen at all. Mm. I might not even hit a hundred. Got it. Um, so that that spike that I'm looking for later at the night doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, other elements I look for like sleeping temperature. Uh, like when when am I reaching my my low point of my body temperature or my high yeah. point? Because ideally you should have a nice even curve at night mm. versus you know different shapes okay that's another reason that the sauna works great because it kicks in your body's natural ability to say hey we're going to start cooling us off you can actually your body cools itself off a little bit faster so you can get into deep sleep faster um all that stuff is fascinating to me and and eating late okay a lot of blood flow is going to my stomach it's going to digestion it's it's forcing me to actually be working on things other than sleeping yeah. so i'm not naturally going to get into that deep sleep phase and i can look at my data and say it's like okay well i only got two hours of deep sleep last night versus two nights ago yeah. when i stopped eating at six i didn't drink i got three hours or four hours of deep sleep so it's yeah. just, it's and again this this stuff's all so unique mm-hmm. but we've never we've never had more access to data yeah and that's just like it's if you have any desire to i'm not even going to say be faster stronger whatever just feel good or maintain your baseline you should be looking at your data yeah. as far as you know how did i sleep last night what did i do what were the habits just journal it you don't need a whoop or an aura to, to do all that stuff just yeah. you know look at your time in bed how you feel journal that and start making some correlations yeah yeah i and i love that because they're all you know, it's all relatively simple things that anyone can do if we just like pay attention to it. And yeah. what I always tell people is like, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Yeah. Well, if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, you're shooting from the hip every single night, you're just eating whatever you want, yeah. at whatever time you want. Some nights I drink, some nights I don't. And you don't really pay attention to how you feel in response yeah. to those things. Well, then you'll never know. No. But if you start putting some correlations in place, then you can start to see trends. And then we can start to change those trends um by making some selective choices so yeah i think it's very fast and then you can control your habits and start getting into sleep hygiene where it's okay every night i'm going to start my bedtime routine at, at 8 p.m i'm going to shut the phone off i'm going to put the blue light glasses on turn the tv off even if you're not sleeping and falling asleep until 10 it's like what does that two hours look like yeah and you can start learning that hey here's here's the routine yeah. that i do every night that optimizes my sleep yeah that makes sense and i i mean i can tell you for myself it's it's not going to come as a shock when i say this but like the nights where I have a more calm finish to the evening yeah. where I'm hanging out with my wife, we're talking about stuff. We get ready to go to bed at our normal time. We like to, you know, pretty much go upstairs at like nine. And I like to be like, hopefully sleeping at nine 30 in an ideal world. And I normally wake up at five 30. Yeah. So I try to give myself at least like an eight hour window um, to get at least seven hours of sleep. Yeah. Cause you know, we're not going to sleep 100% of the, of the night, but then, you know, those are the nights where it goes better. Right? Yeah. In the nights where I am, whether it's on my phone, whether it's on my computer, working up until, you know, 10 minutes before I go to bed, those are the nights where it takes me longer to fall asleep. If I look at the data, it takes me longer to get into some significant rest. And then and then on the other side of the coin, there's some nights where like, you know, maybe I'm watching a sporting event or something. Big football fan, maybe I'm watching some playoff football at the time of this recording. And but I'm not doing something that's like putting me really into like a stressful state, right? I'm not like working, I'm not like doing stuff. I'm just like observing. 
I might lack sleep because I went to bed later because I stayed up to watch the game, but my sleep quality is it doesn't seem to be quite yeah. as affected because like you still get a breath. Yeah, I'm still like just chilling, I'm watching the game, I'm not like doing something that's mentally demanding, taking my focus and being like glued into the computer. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. I mean, that's short term, yeah, one day sure. a week. Yep, fine. Yeah. If that becomes the habit, mm -hmm. problem. I mean, it's like it's like the leading going into a hundred mile or a twenty-four hour race. Yeah. The night before the race, yes, it matters, but it matters more to get rest versus yeah. sleep. Like if you don't get perfect sleep the night before a hundred miler or an ultra, yeah, that's okay. But two nights before, if you don't sleep both of those nights, mm -hmm. then you're getting into a problem for sure. Um, and so that's where it's 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 interesting. And I I mean I love talking about sleep. Yeah. I think it's 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 an important topic, and I, it just it, it leads into the bigger topic because. If the better I sleep, the better I can wake up and perform. Yeah. And the better I can wake up and perform, the better I, I am tomorrow. And yeah. like my my big thing, and I, I talk to athletes about this all the time, is let's say on my biggest day during the week, I train three hours. Yeah. Well, that's 21 more hours of the day that like I can like, what am I doing those other 21 hours? Yeah. To make sure that I'm better tomorrow. Yeah. And that's that's things like sleep yeah. and nutrition and mobility and the passive stuff. Even if you're sitting and watching that football game, yep. like what can I be doing passively yeah. that that yeah. helps me sleep better to get up and, and run better? Now you're speaking my language because <laughs> you know if you're any clients here listening to this from Physio Room, if, if especially if you've seen me, but probably if you've seen anybody on our team, you've heard us talk about that stuff. Where like I was literally telling someone. Before, before this uh, coming weekend, they're going to be watching some playoff football. Yeah. And like, well, instead of sitting on the couch yeah. and like only getting up on commercials to go to the restroom or whatever, or grab more food or a beer, um, can we pop down on the floor, do some 90-90 hip mobility? Right. Can we pop down on the floor, do a couch stretch and stretch out that quad and hip flexor? Can you break out a massage gun or a foam roller or whatever yeah. and just like literally do something yeah. or at the very least change your body position around something. instead of just like sitting on the couch and yeah. hanging out watching a game for three and a half hours. And, you know, we could talk about this stuff for, for the whole yeah. episode, but what I thought was interesting is you started to talk about when I get better sleep, when I make these better habit choices. Yeah about my lifestyle whether it's not drinking alcohol or whatever i sleep better but i wake up better and then i can perform better the next day and one of the other things that is so fascinating to me is the way that our body works and the way our hormones work and when we're well rested our ability to make good choices the next day and the next week right so like our hunger hormones leptin and ghrelin but when we when we don't sleep well those are thrown out of balance and we are more hungry the next day, typically for things that are not that good for us, right? We crave certain things when we're fatigued that we don't really crave when we're well-rested. And then all of these things start to stack and layer on top of each other for either the better or for the worse, right? So because then if you wake up poorly rested, you make some less than optimal choices around nutrition and then maybe around your lifestyle, maybe you go to bed late the next night. Well, then that affects your sleep the next night. Yeah. And then that affects your performance snowballs. the next day. And it just snowballs in a bad way. But we can also have a snowball in a positive way. Right. Like we, we can stack little wins on top of one another. Um, so then let's let's get into this a little bit. Like what are maybe some of the things, aside from 
I try to avoid alcohol, try to have a nice bedtime routine, go to bed at the right time. What are some of these other things around like mobility and nutrition and things that you, you try to put in place every single day yeah. that you feel like really makes a difference for you from a performance and yeah. standpoint? I mean, probably the biggest one is this regular movement for me throughout the day. Yeah. Um, I know this is tough for some people with death jobs. It's hard to just get up and move around, but just... Yeah. For me, I have to change my body position pretty regularly. Um, every, really, every twenty or thirty minutes, I need to change something, and that I, I, I find that helps me with creativity and blood flow. I feel like I can get through my workday a little bit faster, uh, more efficiently. And then the decision fatigue hasn't laid in come dinner time, so I can have a healthier meal. I'm not just like, oh, you know, let's let's grab a bunch of cookies and yeah. uh you know i i don't even want whatever so it, for me movement is kind of the principle and it's and it doesn't have to be a lot sometimes it's even just a golf ball under the foot like yeah. I'm, I'm moving something yeah. i'm not just stagnant yeah. um and i i don't do well with stagnation in general and i know a lot of athletes don't but yeah. figure out creative ways to do that and then another thing that i do throughout the day is just so i well i journal a lot and i write down yeah. like everything i need to do everything i don't need to do um before i run i, I journal what is my intention for the run when i get back nice. I just journal did i did i hit that intention before i look at any of the data at all i don't want the data to define the success like, how do i feel run. yeah and so it's like it's getting all these thoughts out of my head allows yeah. me to move on I like and then that. i can get back to work and it's like okay boom run done um don't need to think about that anymore um one thing that i started doing that is it's interesting everybody you know, a lot of people talk about the standing desks and that's, you know, the whole sitting is the new smoking. Yeah, sure. Everybody yeah, yeah. That. But I've actually, I started um, like tall kneeling yeah. at my desk. I was talking with someone about that this morning. We were literally having this discussion. Yeah. And it's just, it's helping me with glute engagement mm -hmm. and feeling the glutes engaged. Yeah. And then that's helping me run. And so it's finding these little, I yeah. said before, these little, what are these little passive things? Yeah that I can do in my quote 21 other hours of the day that, yeah, I'm not really thinking about it, yeah. but it's making me a better runner. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's be honest with yourself. The only advice I give people is literally I'll just write stuff down. I'm like, Hey, does this make me a better runner? Yeah. Yes or no. And it's okay to have a no, like sitting at a chat, working, yeah. working for eight hours a day doesn't make me a better runner, but then say, okay, but here's what I can do while I work that yeah. might make me a better runner yeah, or sure. will let me recover faster or sleep better tonight. And I mean, there's, there's other pillars too, just hydration and nutrition and, totally. and movement, but those just, just the big things and it's just simple. Yes or no. So yeah. like, did, I, did I eat healthy today? Yes or no. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to track every macro to, to know you ate healthy. Yeah. So like some people, they grossly overcomplicate the stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I think so many times, like I have this, um, nutrition um, certification through this organization called Precision Nutrition. I love their yeah. stuff. One of the things I love about it is basically what you just mentioned. Like they would say the same thing. So many people way overcomplicate this stuff and they worry too much about like the small percentage items instead of just focusing on the basics. Like, can we just master the basics? And with any client that you are going to work with, no matter if they're like an elite bodybuilder yeah. or they're a professional athlete or there's someone who is in the, what they consider the worst shape of their life. And they just want to start moving more and start some exercise habits with all of those people. You're going to start with the basic building block habits. Yeah. And until that person has mastered those, you do not graduate on to the yeah. next, to the next things like 
when should I take my protein and should I take this supplement? Well, if you're not getting yeah. getting adequate sleep, you're not hitting adequate nutrition, uh, hydration and whatnot, well, that stuff doesn't really matter that much until we do these other things. So yeah. let's focus on that first. I, I actually used the right curriculum for Noom. Mm. You probably didn't know that, but I worked for Noom, not. Noom for a little over a year. Yeah. Writing health curriculum. It was the same deal. It's, mm -hmm. We would get people that have all the best intentions in the world, but it's it's kind of shocking how literal or how how little education there is about what a calorie versus a carb right. versus a fat versus yeah. a protein. People just had no idea. And I think yeah. looking back, our school system has failed a lot of people. Sure. Um, and you know, that's a whole nother episode yeah. that we can we'll, go uh, off on, on your next episode of the yeah. code. Um, but, but it's the same deal. It's like, hey, let's let's just level set. Yeah. What what are we trying to accomplish and what are the basics? You don't need yeah. to wake up overnight and you know count macros and and all this stuff and need to know what gut biota is and it's like no like all these trigger words are out there and they're scary and yeah. they're marketing terms for a lot of companies yeah, that are sure. trying to sell you shit but <laughs> like let's just back up yeah like baseline some stuff like yeah. let's just do some basic like, i can tell you right now i track one metric every day and in, in nutrition can you guess what it is i can guess what it is but i'd love for you to tell yeah. me at least for me, the, the one metric that I track as far as nutrition goes is I want to know what my protein is. That's exactly what I check yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I obviously buy a byproduct of that. I end up with my calorie count of day and, and most of the other metrics too. I, I, some days I look at them, sometimes I don't, but yeah. I, I, protein, the only, the only thing that I'm actually looking at every day. So I'm going to say one thing and then we're going to come right back to that. So like you've mentioned this twice and I, I love it. You've mentioned this, like, you know, what else are you doing with the other 21 hours of the day? And, you know, for, for someone that's not training three plus hours, maybe they're training for 30 minutes. Maybe they're training yeah. for 45. Maybe they're training for zero. That's fine. But like, what are you doing with the time in your day? And I think for most people, let's use the example just because it's an easy one of like high level elite athletes. From a training perspective, they're all basically doing the same shit, yeah. right? Every professional football player, professional basketball player, they all have world-class coaches. They all have great strength and conditioning specialists. Like they're all training really, really hard for a, probably a similar amount of time throughout the day. But what makes the difference of like why one person outperforms another person is probably what they're doing with those other hours of the day, how they are structuring their life and taking care of themselves when they're not 100%. training. And the one, the one element we haven't talked about that I think is as important potentially yeah. as nutrition is is mindset and the mental the mental side of yeah. training and yeah. like it would be a shame if we didn't kind of address some of that and i i i say a lot i'm not a physically talented athlete but i've worked my ass off to become a mentally talented athlete yeah um and and i think a lot of the best athletes right you hear these things the mama mentality right everybody knows that kobe was the toughest worker and yeah he's you know shooting thousands of free throws and mentally he's gonna outwork everybody and it's just what are you doing mentally and i'm lucky enough to have found a sport that rewards mental toughness and lots of mental strategies in your quiver that you can pull out and and if you're not working on those throughout the day or even on your training run, yep. you're not going to be able to pull that out on race day. Yeah. Um, so that's the other element that I'd say I, I, it'd be a shame if I didn't at least put a plug for mental training and, and mental strength work in there too. Totally. And I think 
you know, I think that's been kind of a theme throughout, not this episode, but the show in general is talking about that aspect. And I've, I've said this numerous times. I think the emphasis in society on the mental aspect of things is my favorite thing that came out of us all going through the pandemic, yeah. right? Is it highlighted, well, I'll say mental challenges that people are going yeah. through. But I firmly believe, and you know, we've talked about this on the show, that like mental health or wellness is a big spectrum, right? And right. sometimes people have conditions that do need treatment. But other times people just have like normal daily shit that we all go through. Yeah. And some people are better at handling that than others because of the strategies that they have in place and the things that they practice on a daily or weekly basis to be able to do that. Whether that habit is journaling or, or like whatever that might be, meditation or something, um, or just simply it's hard to quantify like what, what amount of difference does having better sleep, eating yep. a certain way, like training like what impact does that have on how we feel mentally well a big a big amount but it's i don't know and statistics to share with you but we know that it's huge um so yeah i agree with you totally i think that's like a huge piece of this and yeah it's, good that we bring it up yeah and it's so i i do 20 to 40 minutes of meditation a day working on focus and and, and mindset and then also yeah. breath work as well and what i find is that that carries over really well into running yeah, um, especially sure. really long distances. So take my last race, which was the 24-hour U.S. Nationals Championship race, is 24 hours on a slightly less than one mile loop. And the intention was who can complete, can. Yeah, who can complete the most distance in 24 hours. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you can't wear headphones. Mm, yeah. So USATF rules, no headphones. So it's all it's it's more of a mental game than it is a you in your head. Yeah. It poured rain for the first six hours. I remember seeing that. Yeah. 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 And so it's. And I, I remember distinctly the moment that I was running step for step with the guy that was in second. I remember like vividly the moment that I knew he was mentally broken. Mm. And I'm like, you're probably physically more capable of running big miles than I am right now. But mentally, you're, you're about to drop out of this thing. Mm, and like two laps later, he was walking. Wow. And I just... I was like, yep, that's, that's, that was it. And I just knew that that was, I mean, that was like 16 hours in and I knew I'd, I'd won the race at that point. So I'm curious not to yeah, yeah. like harp on what this guy was dealing with, yeah. but like, what is something that you noticed that told you, Hmm, I think this guy is mentally going to be checked out of this because and the reason I ask is because yeah. I know as an athlete, when you notice that in another athlete, yeah. it just, Gives you just a, even a little bit more spark. Yeah. Cause I used to, you know, especially with football or track, like if I played cornerback in college. Yeah. And if I got the sense that the receiver that I was guarding was like mentally not in a good place because either he dropped a ball or, or I had covered him well on a couple plays or whatever. Oh, it just pumped me up even more to like yeah. keep trying to kick this dude's ass because yeah. like, I know I'm going to be able to mentally break it. Yeah, right? pop them a little harder at the line. Right, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. And you see this all the time in sports. I think you see it less in running. Like, you're not trying to necessarily do anything to him like you might do in a contact sport like football. Yeah. We're like, you're trying to get in people's heads in that environment. But, like, what is something that you noticed? Yep. And then what what was your response or, like, what did you do yeah. as a result of so that? So he was just starting to talk about... This oh, you guys were chatting. Yeah, yeah we, were okay. running, we, okay. we were running together. Yeah. Uh, it's a one-mile loop, right? You yeah. tend to run together. And, he was, and so I noticed a couple things. One, um, 
he was obs- I, didn't, I didn't care if he was ahead of me or behind but he was obsessed with sticking with me mm. um and then he started complaining about things outside of his control well, and to yeah. me that is that's a big sign of like dude, we can't neither one of us can control that it's getting hot here mm-hmm. like acknowledge it move on and he yeah. was starting to kind of get in his head about it don't yeah. get me wrong I was suffering. It was humid. It sucked. I told my crew it sucked. Yeah. But for him to tell me that, like, yeah. that's that was like, like competitor. Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, I, I was like, okay, he's given up. Yep. And then, so yeah, so he started walking, and then later we ran a lap together, and he he just said, you know, I'm good with second place. <laughs> and so all I, right. I was like, all right, I just gotta keep moving I'm forward. I'm gonna keep cruising. You know, that is probably. Two different football coaches in college, and I keep bringing up this like college athletics. I feel like I learned a lot of lessons over that yeah. time period in my life. Um, and our our one, I think that topic was one that he talked about more than anything else, right? Like just control the controllables, control yeah. what you can control, and it's a waste of your breath and energy to worry or complain about stuff that you can't fix. Yeah. The weather, yeah. the referees in a football game, like the running surface that yeah. you're on. Like, if you're like, oh, I wish we weren't running on pavement for this yeah. race. Like, well, we are. We so are. You can't change yeah. it. Yeah. And I think it's okay to acknowledge yeah, that sure. it exists. Right? Yep. But then that's where the meditation comes in is, is like, when you're meditating, you can, if, if stray thoughts come through your brain, you acknowledge them and then you just, you move on. Yeah. And so these, these long races where it's just you and your thoughts, just yep. like, yeah, you know what? It does suck that the sun is hot right now. It's 80 degrees and humid. Yep. Cool. What am I gonna do about it? Nothing. Now Great. We move on. Now yeah. we move on. Yeah, look at that. You... Look at that cool bird. And so that's where I, I, I have a series of like moving meditations. Yeah. Always, and I find that mm. mindset, like straying to focusing on the negative. It's like okay, for the next twenty minutes, I'm gonna count birds, or I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how many trees I can name, and just be like, hey, Dale, like that tree's Dale. Yeah. Like just starting doing just the goofiest stuff mm-hmm. to take that focus from internal to external. Yeah. Because then once it's external, you're back doing the easiest, literally the easiest thing in the world is running for yeah. me. Right. It's just the thing I love the most. Why am I grumpy? Nope. I'm going to go hang out with Dale the tree. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because if you can control that mindset, your ability to do almost literally anything yeah. is so much better. Like it doesn't matter if we're talking about significant physical endurance running or making it through your work day yep. and like knocking out things on your to-do list. Uh, my wife and I are about to become new parents. Well, there, there's going to be times where we're going to be lacking sleep and the baby's going to be screaming and we're going to be just like, you know, have it up to here because this happens to everybody. And if you can control some of that mental yeah. side of things and just like shift your focus and practice gratitude, focus on like uh, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to point out all the cool things that I see around or whatever. I love that idea. It's a great one. Um, so I had another question I was going to ask you, and I think the, um, you know, running is a sport. I see a lot of clients. We at physio room see a lot of clients that love to run whatever distances. Running is one of the most injurious sports, okay. right? Is that word injurious? It has a very high rate of injury. And I would imagine you've dealt with some running related injuries yourself. And my question isn't like, what have you dealt with? But more so like, how have you found that you've been able to manage when you are dealing with something, say it's an Achilles injury or my knee hurts, whatever that is. How have you been able to manage? Like, I still want to train. I want to do this smart. But how have you been able to manage kind of like 
the mental aspect of that, of like being able to control how you feel about that and not getting, not getting like stuck in this, like, man, my body is failing me kind of like mentality. Cause I know that has happened to me in the past. Sure. And I've heard people say, well, like if my body would just do what I needed to do, whatever. And they're like, it's like a blaming feeling. Yeah. Um, how have you sort of navigated some of that? Yeah. I think the first thing is just coming to reality with like, this is, this is what's happening, right? This hurts. And then from there, the thought process is, is this, is this hurting sore or is this hurting pain? Like to me, those are two different things. Like yeah. if you, if you crush a really hard workout and you wake up tomorrow and you're sore, yeah. like that's, that's okay to be sore. But if you wake up tomorrow and you're in pain, yeah, that's a different conversation. So first of all, it's like, okay, am I am I in pain or am I sore? Um, is this something I've been dealing with? Is this a train through? Is this not? And then honestly, it's it's just acknowledging that. I think a lot of people are like just try to run through stuff. I'm like, oh no, this is this isn't a big deal. Yeah. We'll just keep running. Well, it's not a big deal today, but five weeks from now, after you run every single day for five weeks, it could be. And so I, I've believed strongly, especially because I, you know, got competitive in my thirties. I didn't start as a young runner, right? Um, so I, I believe firmly in just getting help when you know you need help. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, fortunate enough to have the resources to be able to go to a physio room or a or a massage therapist or yeah. or anybody. And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't, but um, just a foam roller, do something and and see did that help? Did that hurt? Did it not? Um, and so for me, it's, again, I get help when I need to, uh, be willing to get help. A lot of runners are just stubborn and yeah. they'll run through something for so long because a lot of, um, you know, you'll have to put an asterisk on this probably, but a lot, of, a lot of running injuries you can run through and get better with. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you're treating them along the way with running through them. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to bring up because I had a runner in here this morning and we talked about, I want you to keep training. I'm not going to tell you to stop training unless there's circumstances to that, right? If I believe you have a stress fracture, well, now we're having a different conversation. If you are running through pain, that is like, we'll call it, everyone has a different pain scale. I hate pain scales, but we'll call it seven out of 10. Well, that's pain. That's not soreness, right? And that's probably causing you to significantly limp and compensate in your gait. Well, that's a different conversation. But if you're just having, you know, we'll call it four or less out of 10 pain, and something's there, but you can run through it and you can feel that your gait is not being grossly right. affected by that. Generally speaking, we want you to keep yeah. training while we try to address yeah. this, whatever even, this even is. Even if you might, might dial back the, yeah, the totally. volume and the intensity. Yeah. But, but to me, it's <clears throat> I just don't want to get to the point where I'm running through something and to your point, my gait is changing yeah. enough that now all of a sudden that mild foot pain is severe yeah. hip pain. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's, that's what I don't want. I mean, just literally yesterday, I got a bunch of needles in the bottom of my foot from one, uh, from Dr. Alley. And do you think I wanted to wake up and get needles in the bottom of my foot? I didn't, but I've been kind of dealing with the last week and a half with some, some plantar pain. And yeah. like, I've had this Achilles thing lingering for four or five weeks now. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've been doing it on my own. I, I did a run. I, I did. I, I did a couple of runs and then I did long drives and I did, I wasn't doing the little treatment things around it. And then yeah. the third day got up to run and about 30 minutes into the run, I was in so much pain. I, it was mm-hmm. supposed to be a two hour run. I, I totally just stopped. This isn't, this isn't worth running through. Yeah. And then I obviously I had an appointment with Allie just a couple yeah. of days later. So it was worth it. But 
it's just no, right? You, you should know. Like, is this uncomfortable? Can I run through it? Is it changing my gait? Make this be realistic with yourself as a yeah. runner and as an athlete, because the last thing you want to do is the the minor foot issue turn into a major foot issue or a major hip problem. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you know the word that keeps coming to mind or keeps coming up in this conversation is just acknowledge it. Whatever it is, it's a thought that comes into your head. It's yeah, you know, it's an injury that you're dealing with. It's something that went wrong in your day. It's that you didn't hit the intention in your training session that you were hoping to, or you did. If you can just acknowledge it, it allows you to then start to move on and move forward with the next steps. But if you keep trying to avoid it, oh, it'll go away. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, We'll just go train tomorrow. And you don't acknowledge it and you just try to sweep it under the rug. That's when stuff starts to bubble up and eventually you're going to be forced to acknowledge it. Yes. In a different place and yeah. probably in a worse off place, whether we're talking about an injury or stress in your life or like whatever that is. Yeah. The sooner you can acknowledge it and then work to address it, totally hey, I think the better you're off you're going to be. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. This is good. One more thing I want to ask you before we start the process of kind of like wrapping this up is, you know, you mentioned, I want to run till I'm 80. And that's why I do things like take care of myself and strength train. And you brought up this topic of strength training. And I would say, uh, over my experience in my career of working with runners, that is always one of the biggest, biggest points. And we've talked about it on the show before, but we're going to do it again. It's one of like the biggest topics that we talk about. And one of the common um, pushbacks that I hear, a couple things. I don't have time to strength train. I don't have the stuff, right? I don't have the equipment. I don't have a gym membership to strength train. First of all, there's solutions for those things. But the other thing that I hear a lot is, you know, well, I don't want to get bulky. Um, And then I also still hear, um, I don't want to lift legs because I don't want my legs to be fatigued for my running. And one of the common things that my response to that is like, okay, I understand all these things that you're saying to me. The purpose of lifting legs here is not to like make you a better runner. It's not to make you faster or anything like that. It's to build resilience and work through full ranges of motion, make you stronger, build resilience into your body and your tissues so that you can tolerate running, which has a high injury rate so that you can run more. And that's going to make you a better runner. Like lifting is not directly going to make you faster or make you a better runner. It's because it's going to allow you to do these other things that you really want to do. And that's, what's going to make you better. Yeah. I, I tell people, if you, if you want to run faster, run. Yeah. If you want to run more and stay healthier, lift and run. Um, And I, I got into lifting and specifically more heavy lifting. When I, going back to kind of that injury conversation, I started noticing just the prevalence of these just little annoying injuries kept popping up just yeah. discomfort in the hips and the glutes weren't feeling great and the hamstrings weren't feeling great and it's like okay and i wasn't doing any strength training at all in my yeah. early 30s and it's like okay and you're running six seven days a week yeah, yeah like things are great i can have a drink sleep like a baby wake up and Ten uh, ago. <laughs> and, then, and then yeah life hits you hard um but i added the strength training because i wanted to be more stable specifically if you think of in culture running 100 miles your gait is going to break down yeah just acknowledge again acknowledge it is going to break down but i use strength training to delay yeah. the breakdown in that gate as totally. long as possible because if i can make that 
from take it from maybe mile 60 to mile 85. Oh, massive difference. That's a huge difference. That I, if I can maintain a solid gait from those middle miles and those late miles, all of a sudden my competitors look like crap and they're going to see me running just still with a really clean gait. Yeah. And they're going to be like, dang, like, and that's going to in their head. Yeah, yeah. And then it yeah. gets back to, yeah, it gets yeah. back to the mental side of things. But, yeah. but really, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's been a huge asset to me, and it's not you know I'm not I'm not powerlifting three four days a week. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll do one to two days a week of heavier lifting and heavy. Yeah. It's not I'm not maxing out deadlifts yeah. every every day. This crazy stuff. But I'll I'll do you know pretty heavy deadlifts to three to six reps yeah. for three to five sets. Um. And and just know that I'm putting a good amount of strain, but I do that the same day as my really hard run. I yeah. do the lifting later in the day. So I'll do the run first thing. And then, you know, the legs are a little bit tired. Yeah. Um, Cause you want to, you want to do your hardest running sessions on fresh legs. You don't want to go into a really hard, generally a really hard running session with, Oops, with really tired, jelloey legs. Cause then, then you're entering into, okay, maybe you could actually, get an injury from yeah that. sure yeah um so yeah. you don't want to do that but lifting is generally safe and having uh, a lifting coach or a pt or somebody that can help you with the form i can tell you right now my hamstrings are so tight that i i need cues to be yeah. able to get the butt and the back where they need to be um so actually i'm somebody that I don't deadlift well with lightweight. I need yeah, sure. I need at least sort of puts you I it. need that that feedback from at least 175 pounds or so to be able to feel like, okay, this is where it is. Everything's tight and now I can lift it comfortably. It's interesting you bring that up. I feel the same thing. Like if I have a moderately heavy weight, it it like forces you to move efficient and it makes you move mechanically well. Yes. Like it's easier for me to demonstrate like a good squat with a little bit of weight yeah. as opposed to like just the bar, right? Yeah. Because it's not enough to like force you to engage the right way and stuff, get the right muscles kicking in at the right time in your sequence. So you started to say this. Um, so what is your lifting routine? You don't have to yeah. go into all the details, but like, are you lifting like two to three days a week or like what yeah, does your I'll week do, look like? I'll do one to two days a week of heavier weights. So that's more like a deadlift and, yeah. uh, you know, plates and things like that. Right. And depending on if I went one day a week, I will do another two-ish days a week of body weight specific. Mm -hmm. yep. So things like just squats and lunges and step ups and uh, multi-plane movements. I'll, yeah. I'll do a lot of mobile board stuff mm -hmm. with like multi-plane, like doing one-legged squats around yeah. a compass on a mobile board. And I, some people are like, oh, that's not strength. It's like, well, that is strength if you're doing you know enough of them and fatiguing. So yeah. for me, that that works on multi multi-level i'm working on balance i'm working on ankle stability i'm sure. working on you know quad and glute strength at the same time so it's not yeah it's not every day i go into the gym i'm picking up you know 225 by whatever yeah I'm sure deadlift. so um that's the biggest thing to me is like what am i doing that's fatiguing the legs yep. that feels good and so it's yeah it's a lot of single leg squats lunges yeah. jumps box jumps things like that jump downs yeah big, big for me uh, for yep. trail running right they prepare they prepare my quads to not just get totally blown up running downhills. Yeah. 
Um, just basic stuff like that has really helped me yeah. uh, become a better ultra runner. Yeah, I, I, I love some of the things that you mentioned because you're checking the different boxes, right? You're checking the stability box. You're checking the muscular endurance box. You're checking the single leg box. Really important for people that want to run and important for just everybody. But you're checking the strength box where you're pushing something or pulling something that's yeah. heavier, which is, man, that's often missed, I feel like, for endurance athletes. Yeah. Like, can we get some different muscle fibers kicking in yeah. and some different neurological adaptations going aside from just always doing the same thing. Like we'll see a lot of times an endurance athlete does all endurance based lifting, which yeah. is like, I'm doing all body weight, high reps all the time. I'm never doing anything no. powerful or yeah. heavy. When we make a small transition like that, man, people feel significant benefits. And, um, and yeah, that landing and jumping plyometric, especially i mean for any runner but i think for trail runners or anyone that's running anything downhill oh yeah. gosh that's that's so important i've i've um seen numerous people who like they sign up for some sort of a net downhill race whether it's a half marathon or even a 5k but yeah. it's like slightly downhill and their quads are torched They're if they didn't prepare themselves for that yeah, yeah. so and it's and like we i have said a lot of lower body stuff but yeah. the upper body like let's not neglect that yeah um, for sure you have Good, good back rotation. Use the the hyper reverse hyper, and then yep. even up into the lats. I think a lot of runners forget that lat strength actually is pretty important. Like when you pushing and pulling on your upper body, um, you know, look at Giannis Koros is probably the most successful ultra runner in world history. He can rip off like hitting pull ups in, oh, wow. in one push. Like dude had some upper body strength and some nice. upper body endurance, and so I I do some some pushing and pulling with the upper body yeah. too. Um, and then obviously some, some extension and flexion with, with the, the hips and you know, the yeah. abs and, and back too. So it's not just, I'm not just pounding the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes every single day. Yeah. I like, you know, we talk a lot about um, runners, but, but everybody, like we want you to be proportionally strong, right? We yeah. want you to have good strength, good mobility, as much as we, we can feasibly for each individual. Everyone's a little unique, unique in that sense, right? And everyone's not going to move exactly the same way. Everyone doesn't have access to the same stuff. That's why I think you need like a coach or a person that's a resource for you. That could be even online or digital or whatever to like help sort of steer you in the right direction on some of this stuff if you don't already have the education and knowledge to do it. And some people do and some people don't. But I think this, you know, this discussion was awesome. And I think we could talk about this stuff all day, right? Yeah, we can sit here for hours. Um, and as long as we're hydrated, we'll have to take bathroom breaks and all this stuff. We could talk about all this stuff for so yeah. long. Gonna have to start rolling like you know, yeah, yeah. Some, we'll have to start moving. Like, yeah. moving. I'm sitting here fidgeting. I too. But what I would love, what I would love for you to do before we just wrap this up is let the people who tuned in and listen to us know they have questions that come up, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they want to get an ultra ultra. Yeah. They have some questions for you. Maybe they do it, but they've been struggling with the mental side of it. Someone has some questions, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you after they yeah. turn this podcast off? Yeah, slide into my DMs at Run With Dawn on pretty much anything you can find is the way. And I, I love those questions. Yeah. Like that is, like, I, I think about looking back on life and what my legacy is. And if, if my legacy is I helped one person find the joy of running that I've found in my life, that's that's good legacy for me like, I, i'd be proud of that so if you if there's anybody that has some questions or direction or where to start or gosh even like anything 
Yeah. Hit me up. Like I'm, I'm happy to help. I, I had a lot of mentors when I got up and running and I had a lot of areas that I learned the hard way if I didn't have people helping me and putting in the right way. And I, if, if there's, you know, like literally one person that I could maybe cut the line for and, yeah. and, and get some knowledge to that, that helps. I'd, I'd love to be that, that yeah. resource. So yeah, Ramadan, I'm most active on Instagram is probably the easiest, but yeah, find me Ramadan at Gmail too. Awesome. Thanks brother. Appreciate you. John, I appreciate you being here, doing this episode, coming, coming down here. I know you're coming to town for more than just one thing, but making a trip down here to to do this podcast. You guys, we've been planning this for a while. There's been a few reschedules and we just figured it would be better in person rather than doing this on Zoom, but who knows? Maybe there'll be another episode. We go into more depth sometime in the future, but for all you guys that tuned in to listen to this episode of The Code, really, again, appreciate your time. And if something that we talked about starts to, starts to spark some questions, brings up some ideas for you, makes you wonder more, or you say, hey, I want to know more about HRV or I want to know more about this or that, please reach out and ask us that so that we can do an episode. We can talk to you individually um, and we can help answer those questions for you. In another way that you might do that is if you've not already done so, and you've been a listener to this show, whether this is your first or numerous episodes that you've listened to, man, it would be so helpful if you went on and dropped a review on whatever podcast platform you're using so that we can keep trying to get this show out to more eyes and ears. And um, we'll catch you guys on another episode of The Code. Thanks so much. Peace.